How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the first podcasted episode of Athletes Out of Action. My name is Scott. Um, Not really important or relevant at this point in time. Maybe we'll get to me a little bit later or in another episode. But this being the first podcasted episode, we wanted to make sure you knew what it was all about. So I'm going to flip it over to the man behind the project, the brains behind the ideas, and ultimately the inspiration behind why we're doing what we're doing. Mr. Joey Gorman. Joey, how's it going? Hey, Scott. Um, no pun intended with the brains behind the operation, I guess, right? Uh, you know, I kind of <laughs> I threw it in there a little bit. I was thinking about that earlier. But, um, you know, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Joey, um, and Joey, if you care to explain, you know, where'd you get the inspiration for this idea for the project? And, you know, why does it hit close to home for you? Absolutely. Um, so I was fortunate enough to go to college, um, obviously to play baseball and, um, and at a very quick moment in time, uh, that was all taken away from me due to a rare brain condition. And, um, you know, I'll get into that a little bit more down the road, but ultimately it's this Kiari malformation was, uh, could have been life threatening. And, um, one day I was a college athlete. The next day, um, I was just worried about living. And once this coronavirus kind of hit, um, you know, some people had reached out to me about their ch- their children and um, asked for some advice. You know how how to get through this adversity, and I kind of took it a little deeper and thought I, I never realized at one point in my life I'd be able to reach all athletes um, about some kind of adversity or their identity, and that's uh, kind of where this idea took off, and uh, we're going from there. So you were kind of faced with you know adversity, unlike anybody that I know, um, you know, I've told you that before in person. Um, but you're finally in a position here where, you know, everyone is kind of in your shoes, so to speak, uh, when you were back at St. Joe's, um, in the weight room that one day, granted, not to the same extent, but you know, they had the game they loved taken away from them at some form or another. Absolutely. Um, it, it may be a different circumstance, but my goal has been um, to try and find a platform or a, a level to relate to everybody. Um, yes, they may not have had two brain surgeries such as myself, but um, the emotional side is just as, as, you know, paralyzing when something you've done for so long is taken away. And I believe, um, you know, athletes are more than their sport. Um, the lessons we've learned, the coaches we've had can all translate and help us in other aspects. And um, that's the goal. That's the goal of this podcast is just, and for one person to listen to someone's words and experiences and be like, you know, Dan, that helped me get through a tough time. So obviously your story is going to be inevitably an overarching theme and a lot of the things that we talk about. Um, but, you know, the first athlete that you had the opportunity to talk to um, is still an active athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this gentleman I first heard of him, obviously, as he was a prospect within the Philadelphia Phillies organization, being that I grew up in South Jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm relatively familiar. But Jesse Biddle, yeah. um, tell me a little bit about, you know, yours and Jesse's relationship. Absolutely. So uh, I was fortunate enough to play youth baseball with Jesse. Um, I had always played up a few years, and Jesse was two years older than me. And uh, we met through the Philadelphia Senators. And, you know, at that time, Jesse was still a gigantic, big, hard-throwing lefty and, um, you know, a lot better than most people at that age. But 
at an early age, I learned who Jesse was as a person. Um, you know, although I was two years younger, he always, you know, looked out for us, um, you know, went about his business the right way. He was just someone I kind of looked up to and um, on a personal side. And, um, you know, through the years we stayed in touch and, you know, yeah, first round draft pick from your hometown team. It sounds like uh, the greatest thing ever. But, uh, you know, for Jesse, it was the beginning of a, of a tough journey, um, you know, following some freak injuries, you know, some, some emotional stuff. Um, you know, he wasn't the first round pick that the Phillies had invested in and he took it hard on himself, but, you know, through the years, uh, you know, he's grown as a person even more, uh, continues to help people with his experiences. You know, not many people make it to the major leagues eight years after they're drafted. Um, you know, Chris Coase is someone who I think of was in the minors for 13 years, but Jesse's per- persistence and perseverance, um, has enabled him to obviously get to the, to the show. Great, obviously. But, you know, Jesse hopes that this, you know, this playing of baseball as a professional is just a platform for more things to come in his life. And um, you you never know the kid was a first-round draft pick by how he holds himself and, you know, how humble and modest he is. And I, I thought his personal experiences, you know, from the perspective of a youth athlete, right, being a first-round draft pick, having the world, you know, at his feet and – it wasn't that great for him, um, but you know, I thought he was a perfect person to reach out to, and I'm fortunate enough to be friends with him, and um, he's helped me in many ways, and I hope I can help him at times, but uh, he was definitely one of the first options and first people I would love to start this with. So we're going to start this whole thing off with a bang. Obviously, uh, you know, a uh, major league-affiliated baseball player who is currently in the Cincinnati Reds organization mm-hmm. – our own Joey had the opportunity to not really sit down with due to COVID-19, <laughs> but um, talk with Jesse over FaceTime. So we're going to let that play right now. And uh, we hope you enjoy. God forbid 
their, someone's family gets sick or and they're in Arizona and they can't come near you. Like that's that's terrible. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that you know if you're going to do that, the owners need to be willing to pay full salaries if we're not able to reach 162 games. If you're going to say, hey, we need you to do all those things and you're going to take a 50% pay cut for the salary that we agreed on, guys aren't going to do it and they have every right not to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's really wild. But, uh, um, you know, it's something that we're all living through and just uh, trying to stay positive, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's all we got. You know how it is. Unfortunately, I know too well, but uh, kind of led me to, you know, with some downtime right now and not working, like... I never thought I'd be able to relate to all athletes at one point in their lives. Like, now the game's taken away from everybody. So, like, maybe I went through certain things to be here at this point in time to help someone. Yeah, it's not injury-related, but, like, kids just got the game taken away from them. And uh, hopefully this idea or platform can can help help one kid. And uh, so I'm thankful that you're taking the time out to be a part of this. Um, Obviously... Um, not just the fact that you are a professional baseball player, but the road and the process to become one. And um, being a local guy, I think you provide a lot of insight that could help um, you know help some people through this time. So um, yeah, man, thank you for uh, thank you for uh, thinking of me and also for doing this. You know, you got a good heart, and you're somebody who's been through a lot of negativity and dealt with a lot of uh, stuff that a lot of people probably wouldn't bounce back from like you have and um so you know you know a thing or two about staying positive when everything around you is swirling so i appreciate that man i appreciate that yeah we go back a ways our uh yeah good old senators days now we're yeah we're old but uh yes it's uh yes to that as well i'm older than you man in my mind you're still like 16 you know me me and kenny being the, the youngest ones on the team all the time and uh you guys picking, yeah, up, picking up for us. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's like you're talking about how you got your master's and all stuff. Like, when did you graduate high school? <laughs> you know? Gosh. Yeah, but you were a junior. I still look it. I, uh, yeah, that's a good thing. Hold on to that. This summer, I had a woman ask me at the bar. She was like, why are you still out? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, aren't you like 16? I was like, are you 50? Like, are you 60? Wow. Like, what are you doing? Wow, wow. And, uh, that's great. Yeah, I felt, felt great funny. about myself. You know, I look at you and I'm like, man, that kid's, he's going to be a good senior. I can't wait to see how many championships he wins in the Catholic League. I wish. <laughs> I wish. I, uh, I'm going to have to change my name to Joe Gorman so everyone sees me as an adult. But uh, Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so kind of leads me to my first question for you. Um, sure. How, you know, how did you get your start in sports, um, you know, particularly baseball? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the big thing was just that my older brother played baseball, so obviously that led me to want to be like him, um, and baseball just kind of had, uh, it just kind of called to me, I think, being, I was always a tall kid, I'm left-handed, those are just like recipes for having some success as a six, seven, eight-year-old, and then, um, you know, just falling in love with it. Once you have a little bit of success in something, it's usually something that you pursue. Now, you mentioned something that we love, and at times we don't exactly love this game. There's times where um, we're, we get shelled or we're over for 4 with 4Ks, and, like, you just want to forget about it. And 
you know, other than love, like, why do you continue to play baseball? What what does it provide in your life that, that is so essential? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the easiest answer is just that I'm not a quitter. Uh, I have a job with the Reds, uh, as you can see by my headband. Um, I am very, uh, I'm just a very loyal and dedicated person. I have absolutely been through the ringer when it comes to like having a lot of success, having a lot of failure, getting injured, um, getting told no, getting told you can't do it, getting told that it's over, all that stuff. I've been through it all. Um, and at the end of the day, um, there is definitely something to be said for the fact that I, I can't, it's like a drug, right? It's like I can't shake the feeling of wanting to stand on the mound in front of 40,000 people and see what I got. Um, and so that's the thing that keeps me coming back. Um, yeah. So now, kind of touching base on the peaks and valleys, right? You've, you've, you had, you've been to the top, you've been to the bottom, and that's what makes you know life life, uh, kind of riding the waves. And- I think in high school, the game kind of came easy to me. Um, it, it just was something that I was just having fun with. I didn't think about it. No big deal, right? Like, you just go out there, win, lose, or draw. You, you do your best, and, and you move on to the next thing. Um, and, you know, when it starts to become a job is when it starts to get in your head a little bit. And the minor league system is kind of built to weed people out. And um, it's built to really test your fortitude and to test your uh, dedication to the game. Um, you know, you're sitting on 15-hour bus rides and you're making no money um, and you're struggling. It's like, what am I doing? Um, so, you know, I mean, I had a good first couple seasons and everything was looking great. And then, um, you know, a couple freak accidents and weird injuries and things like that. I got a little bit derailed and then I got in my head and started struggling. And um, all of a sudden, you know, as soon as you stop pitching well, as soon as you stop showing that elite stuff, teams forget about you, and, and, and fans get pretty mean pretty quickly, um, and that can be really tough on you when you're a 21-year-old kid who had, you know, who had everything, and then all of a sudden, you have nothing, um, but you just, I, I mean, I don't know, I got a good support system, and I just kept going, and I just kept grinding, and um, it's not, it's, it's pretty rare for a guy to get drafted and then, you know, make his big league debut eight years later. Usually by that point, guys are out of the game. Um, but I just, I got very lucky. Teams kept giving me a chance, which I appreciated, and they saw something in me. Um, you know, when things are going off track, when you were going through that adversity, like what were some things you would do to get back on track? I mean, you may translate it to today where, you know, you're in the middle of an inning and, you know, throw two pitches that weren't where you want them. Like, what are you doing to gather yourself thought-wise? Right, right. Um, I think that the, the thing that I always just want to, tell myself is like every night when I look in the mirror I want to be proud of the work that I put in that day I want to be proud of who's looking back at me um and so when I keep that mentality and and I um, kind of maintain focus on the fact that like this is a small window right like no matter how even Jamie Moyer right I mean he played 20 years but 20 years of your life when is really not that significant when you know, like, you're, there's there's so much more to life after this, and I don't want to be defined by what's on the back of my baseball card. I don't want that to be 
some of the saddest. The, well, to me, it's just it's it's tough when you see these guys who played for years and then when they hang out, all they do is talk about baseball. And that's remember that time I hit that double. It's like, hey, you know, what do you got going on now, right? Like, what what what's next? And so I just always kind of try to keep this in perspective, remind myself that I'm very very fortunate. I'm very lucky. Um, and at the end of the day, like this is not going to define me. This is just something I'm doing now. This is something I've pursued for the last 10 years professionally. Um, but there's going to come you know, a time when this is over, and I just want to be happy with the work I put in. And I think you just kind of solidified the whole aspect of what's going on now. There's going to be a lot of seniors. There's going to be a lot of players in general, coaches, that through this epidemic, the game's going to be gone. And yeah. um, that transition into their next phase of life, like a lot of people, like you said, define who they are based on what they've done on a field or a court. And yeah. you know, I, I learned through you know talking to some athletes, like it's just the beginning of life after this. And um, but the lessons that we've learned and the experiences, not the hits, the innings pitched, is going to translate after. Has anything about your perspective changed since this uh, epidemic? Like, has anything? change perspective-wise? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I have done such a better job of keeping in touch with people and, like, building relationships with people who I I just, you know, like, just checking in and, and like, staying in contact and kind of making sure that everybody's doing all right and, and then just kind of being more present with thinking about their health and their safety and and I was just like, what, does it take a global pandemic for us to all get back into contact and want to, you know, talk all the time? And um, I just want to kind of maintain that mentality after this is over. I think that's the thing I've been thinking about a lot. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that, I think a, a coach I had when I was in low A said best, he was just like, 0 for 4, 4 for 4, you don't go home and kick the dog, right? Like, when you have a bad game, it's nobody else's fault. It's on you. Um, and I think that that's the thing that's been, that was really hard for me originally. It was like, I had a hard time, you know, cause you, like growing up in Philly, playing all my minor league ball in the Philly area, people would always come to games. And when I didn't succeed, I would have a hard time looking people in the eye, wanting to go to dinner, and, you know, all these people would come an hour to come watch me pitch, Reading, wherever. Um, and, and it had a real impact on me and my uh, relationships with people because I would just allow it to uh, affect me as a person when in reality, like, nobody really cared that much, you know? Yeah. It's like my friends would come to see me, they, you know? It's like if I went seven innings and threw well or I went three innings and gave up some runs, it's like, you know, yeah. no big deal to them. But to me, it meant everything. Um, and so the thing, I've really, I, I try to put all that into perspective and, and like, the game is its own thing. Right. It doesn't define me like we talked about. Put it in its little box, and once I leave the field, I move on. Um, but in terms of my like overall mentality, uh, I think you realize when you um, when you've been doing it for a while, you start to say to yourself like, "It's it, all of this stuff I'm going through, and all of this turmoil, and all that is making me a stronger person, and it's just sharpening me." And I think that it's going to be very, like, all the skills that I've built and the, you know, like, I, I just feel like all of that is going to, has been very useful for me in my life. And even though I haven't been to college or whatever, there's going to come a time where I'm going to get a job somewhere, and I think that it's been useful in that.
most adverse thing you ever had to overcome? What would you What would you say it was? That's a good question. I mean, you know, for me, like, I uh, had a lot of injuries. Um, that's definitely provided a good amount of adversity. Uh, I think that there have been a lot of times where, you know, a doctor said to me, hey, um, it's going to be six months, it's going to be 12 months, it's going to be eight months, whatever, uh, before you can play again. And there's only so many times you can hear that before you're just like, what am I doing? You know, how long can I keep this going? Uh, when do I need to find a job? Um, and, uh, you know, the, the I think the time where I was closest to being like, I might need to just hang this up, is when, um, you know, last season ended. I was with the Rangers. I was the third team I played for. My shoulder just was not. It, I was pitching against the Astros, actually, in not not in Houston, but in Texas. Um, and they brought me in to throw a couple innings. And I just, like, you know, normally my velocity's pretty good. You know, I'm a mid-90s, maybe upper 90s every once in a while type of guy. And I get in there, and I just, my first fastball, I look back, and it says 90. And I'm just like, oh, something doesn't feel right. And I ended up giving up a few runs. I had been kind of struggling for a while at that point. Um, and I, I think I remember after that game, I went to the, to the trainer. I was just like, look, man, like something's wrong. And when I showered and got changed and looked in the mirror, I was just like, I don't know. That might, I, I know that was it for the season because I knew I didn't have anything left. And then I was just like, that might be it. I don't know. Because I, I figured I was going to need shoulder surgery, which I ended up getting. And, um, you know, that's a scary feeling, right? Um, and so that was a moment for me that was just like, what am I going to do? And then they, the Rangers ended up releasing me, and I was a free agent who had just had surgery, which, like, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get a job. Um, and, uh, you know, luckily things are working out, and I feel great, and I just kept working and staying focused on the everyday tasks, and the Reds gave me a chance. Um, but still, you know, it's that was definitely a big moment for me. And I think we, we look at those adverse moments, and uh, I'm still one of those people that's, that thinks everything happens for a reason, or, or you're getting put in, put in a path that you may not have thought was your path, but now you're at the Reds, and from a baseball standpoint, like, it's... To me, it seems like a great opportunity where they need lefties in the pen, and you know, someone that could throw more than one inning. Like, there's no more specialists, and it seems like you know it worked out for the best. That hey, maybe you could take something from that experience last year and apply it to you know a pretty damn good young Reds team because yeah, um, you know it's it's uh, I think it'll it'll work out for the best for you. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, and that's that's the attitude I've been trying to take. It's funny. I never knew Amir Garrett pitched in the Delco League. They said at one point he pitched a game in the Delco League. Is that true? He's he's not from the area, obviously, but like they said, he he threw it. Someone got him to throw a game in the Delco League, and he got picked up very shortly after. But like he did throw a couple innings in the Delco League, which is like a funny fact. It's funny, you know, I talked to, for, I think my first day with the Reds, uh, when everybody reported, um, we were sitting there in the training room, and he asked where I was from, I said, oh, I'm from Philly, and he's like, oh, really, yeah, I lived there for a little bit, and I was like, really, why, like, who just lives in Philly for a little bit, he's like, yeah, I live by the Little Grove Mall, and I was like, what are you talking about, but I guess there was like some 
school and college where he like needed to play because he played basketball. Right. Where he needed to like play for some high school team or something. I wasn't totally sure what he was saying. Uh, but a couple other big name basketball players had done that in the Philly area. Um, but anyway, I mean, yeah, he's from like Vegas or something. Yeah. But he like came out here for a year, so I'm not surprised. I guess. Inter- like people don't realize interesting stories, man. Like uh, it's not, yeah, crazy. There's no one road to to the to the show. Like there's so many different paths and experiences. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm I'm very close with all my high school friends, and they were also my teammates. Um, you know, I went to a small Quaker school. Like not a lot of uh, just not a lot of people. So like the the relationships you build become everlasting and um, the more I look back on it it's like I could play for the Reds or the Mariners or the Rangers or the Phillies whoever um, but I think my the, the days that I'm going to remember the most are going to be my high school days right playing for the Senators um, playing for my high school team uh, even even like I, I just the difference between um, that was just that, that to me is like baseball at its finest that's yeah. the most pure form of baseball um, and even like the, the summer ball stuff like going to those big showcases I think it gets watered down you know and I think it takes the love out of the game a little bit and all of a sudden you're playing I just growing up I had never done anything but played for the team I played for right and when yeah. you go play those summer showcases you kind of like you're playing for the guys in the stands with the radar guns you know you're playing for the guys with the stopwatches you're not playing for your other teammates you don't even know half their names um, and uh so I just, you know, that, and that's honestly how it becomes when you make it to Pro Bowl, right? Like, I went through eight seasons in the minor leagues, and I think my team finished last almost every single year. But, like, you know, nobody really cared. And then you make it to the big leagues, and all of a sudden winning is the only thing anyone cares about. And I shut that off for eight years. Right. And it was such a refreshing thing to get up there and be like, oh, wow, you guys really care about the final result here, you know? Um, guys going 0 for 4 but being the first ones in line to dab everybody up and, because we won the game like that was really cool to see um, so I don't really know how you change that in the minor leagues but lesson um, that I learned I, my first year when I was with the when I was with the Braves and this is a lesson that I think every pitcher learns even when you're a kid um, but it's something that it really hurts when you learn it which was I went out in a game, I can't remember, I think we were playing the Mets, and I came in in a big situation, threw a pitch right down the middle, guy popped it up, got it out of the inning. Everybody's, hey, great job, Jess, really good stuff, okay. A couple days later, I come in against the Brewers, uh, tie game, seventh inning, like a big spot, and I throw seven pitches. And I give up four runs or three runs. Anyway, a lot of runs. <laughs> Enough to know that this is not a good one. And I went back and looked at all seven pitches. I threw seven strikes, all right where I wanted them. Every single one. Right? And they all just got whacked. Like, and so, is that a bad day at the office? Like, yeah, it is. Right? Like, you don't, if, if you can't get guys out, you're not going to have a very long career. But if you break it down and you go, did I do what I was supposed to do? It's like, yeah, I did. I executed every pitch, right? I, I threw it where I wanted it, but it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. And it hurts, right? But it also means that I can work with that, right? Like, if I'm going to 
next couple months because I didn't let that one affect me. You know, absolutely. I think it's, it's priceless. If you you know if you could tell Jesse Biddle, eight year old, you know, fifteen year old, if you could tell your younger self one thing, you know, looking back, what would you tell yourself? Uh, calm down. I was so obsessed with like I need to pitch the big leagues right now when I was like nine years old and I would just I just uh, and it was not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as it's channeled properly but you know I remember throwing bullpens where I would just go 85 pitches and I would just everything was max effort and everything was like I need to get there now and those are the things that end up I think hurting you in the long run um, so my big advice to anybody would be like, just relax and enjoy the process and enjoy the uh, enjoy the, the little things. Yeah. I, I really believe that, like, uh, I got way too caught up in needing to get there yesterday. And, um, you know, that's one of my, uh, the, the pitching coordinator when I was with the Phillies kept saying to me, you want to get called up yesterday, you need to focus on today. And, um, he was right. He was absolutely right. I didn't want to listen to it, you know? I like that. I like it a lot. Um, our one coach at St. Joe's would always tell us to respect the process and enjoy the journey. Yeah. The journey is yeah. what makes the process. Uh, you know, it's funny. My uh, my fiance, when we were like, we've been we've been together for a long time, but um, one of our one of the first presents she ever gave me was a bracelet. Uh, that was made out of like a, a baseball glove lace and the bracelet said leap and the neck will appear and that quote has always stuck with me um, I think that it's essentially just saying like it's okay to close your eyes and jump right it's okay if it's scary it's okay if you think you might fail um, it's just important that you do it and that you take that first step um and that's, I think, uh, I think something that you know we can all relate to, not just baseball. <laughs> I don't know what this show is rated, uh, <laughs> so there are only only so many stories I can tell. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, no, don't. Yeah, you're you're a smart yeah. man. You understand what uh, what, what can um, can't be told out the locker room. Yeah, yeah, and maybe you know when we go grab a beer sometime, I can tell you some other stories. Um, I, I think that a. a a conversation I had with Brian McCann one time really stands out to me. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to be able to share a locker room with him. He's, uh, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, and, you know, in the bullpen, we were having a debate about what comes first, success or confidence. Um, and that became kind of a conversation that we had over a couple days because it's different for everybody, I think. And I asked Brian McCann, I said, you know, be back. You're one of the smartest guys I know. You've been around the block. You've been in the big leagues for 200 years. Um, you know, like, uh, what do you, what, what comes first to you, success or confidence? And he said, and he was like, you know what comes first for me, Biddle? Preparation. It's like success, confidence, those are like, those are just words, man. But preparation, that's, that's everything. And if you're not prepared, can't have either one um and that meant a lot to me and it was something that uh i started to pay attention to the way he went about his business after that and i was just like wow like 
he was in the video room every day. Um, he told me when he uh, one of the biggest hits of his career was when he was with the Yankees. It was a a double in the gap in the ALCS in like the ninth inning, and he was like, "Man, the only reason I hit that double is because I knew that the pitcher." Um, tipped his slider. I knew exactly what it was, and I found it for the team. When he did it, I knew a slider was coming. I hit it in the gap. It's like I never in a million years would have been able to hit that slider if I didn't know it was coming. Yeah. And he's like, that's that's where the success and the confidence comes in. So, wrapping up kind of here, the last two things. Je- let's say Jesse Biddle, post, post-baseball career, right? Jesse Biddle, obviously we're not looking at ourselves the baseball player. We don't uh, I, my whole life, I felt like some people was just Joey Gorman, the baseball player. Like, no, that doesn't define us. What's yeah. what's in the future for for you, your fiance, your family? What's some bucket list, some some things that you want to do after you know you do hang them up? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, I mean, that's a question I've asked myself a lot over the past uh, couple plus five years, really. Um, but uh, you know, I, I mean, there are a lot of things I'm interested in. I could definitely uh, see myself being very happy getting into broadcasting in some way. Um, I'm not sure how much I want to stay in the game, like in the locker room or front office or anything like that. Um, but uh, I would also love to like own a gym that, um, you know, in my, in my perfect world, I, I would love to own a gym that can be used by kids who don't have access to gyms or things like that. Um, I just think about how many people I met in my life that were able to kind of steer me on a path that other people don't have the ability to meet or just haven't had the fortune to. And, um, you know, there are so many other directions my life could have gone if I didn't meet people at the exactly right time. Um, so I just want to be that type of person in someone else's life. Well, at some point, yeah. if you want to open up a, uh, a branch in the Philly area, let me know. <laughs> Oh man, dude, I I would do I would love to to do a lot in Philly. I really uh, I believe there's some unbelievable. There's a lot of untapped potential out there. Absolutely. You know? Just need the people there to support. That's all. Your place of solitude, like if you, you know a place you like to go where all your anxieties are gone, or um, you know it's just you and and that moment. Like, where's your your place of peace? That's a good question. I mean, I, I try to be outside a lot. Um, wherever I go, I always, and, and like, even in the minor leagues, big leagues, wherever, um, you know, teammates always thought I was weird because we'd get off the bus and I would just immediately start walking. Even if we're in the middle of nowhere, I just like, I like knowing where I'm at. I like walking around. I like, I always try to walk to the park whenever I can, even if it's like a couple miles. Um, I just like being outside, and uh, so that's kind of a big thing for me. But also, I go to the movies. I take myself out on dates to the movies all the time. Awesome. Um, you know, I'm in a... My, my fiancé has to live in L.A. for work. I, you know, so we do long distance. We don't have any kids, so I'm, I'm alone a lot. Um, I prefer to be, like, I prefer to live alone during the season unless I can live with my fiancé, obviously. But, um, so, in being alone, I've learned to, you know, take myself out to dinner dates and go to movies and stuff like that. So, I... I that's the other way that I find peace. So you take five people from any point in time, any history, right? Uh, except your immediate family and your fiance. You could take these five people to see a movie of your choice. Who are you taking, and what movie are you seeing? Man, oh, that's a 
that's a really interesting question. Will Smith is always going to be on that list. Okay. Um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air was like what raised me, taught me how to behave. Road 
for me as well, but having, you know, shit, if it wasn't for 13 and 14 U baseball, you know, I wouldn't have this friendship, and I think that's what yeah. people really need to see, that, you know, you're, their children, is they're not going to make it to the pros at 11, 12, 13, like, the wins and losses ultimately don't matter, it's that experience of getting through it, and, um, you know, so I appreciate that, I appreciate our friendship, and um, big things ahead for you, whether it's, you know, in between the lines or outside, um, I always got your back, so you know that. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, thank you so much, dude. You are an inspiration. Um, it's always great talking to you, and uh, thank you for having me on, brother. Absolutely, and uh, we'll keep in touch. If there's anything I can do, I don't know what I can do to help you, but, um, you know, I mean, we're always here for you, and we're always pulling for you. I'm sure I can think of something. <laughs> and, uh, we'll get a beer soon, you. too. I'll be playing in Philly not too long from now, and, uh, you know, you can come cheer me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. All the time, man. I appreciate it, and all right, brother. be well, all right? Yeah, you too, man. Take care, and uh, stay safe. Too. I will. You too. See you, Jesse. Obviously, as you just heard, a lot of insightful stuff there from Jesse Biddle, a lot of insightful stuff there from you as well, Joey. So what was it like, you know, to have the opportunity to talk to somebody who's a friend of yours, you know, and and take that friendship away from it and just be real and talk about what you're missing? You know, what was the major takeaway of the conversation? Yeah, um, I think. In the beginning, I thought this project was to help others, and, and along the way, um, I think that conversation just ultimately helped myself. Um, I've learned many of things uh, through Jesse's words and experiences, such as, you know, uh, his conversation with Brian McCann, you know, potential Hall of Fame catcher, um, talking about preparation being the biggest thing. You know, it's it's not how you play or your confidence. It's if you're preparing yourself for life, for the game, uh, things become a lot easier. And uh, you put your, your best foot forward by how you prepare, you know, as Jesse, the pitcher, but also now as Jesse, the 29, 29-year-old, you know, who's going to get married soon and hopefully have kids. Like there's, you know, that was a big takeaway for me. But also the fact that, yeah, this kid played the big summer circuit, did all the pre-draft perfect game showcases and, you know, it was a big high school name, but his ultimate favorite and best moments were in high school, um, with his buddies that are, are still his friends today. And, uh, you know, the minor leagues isn't as pretty as what some people perceive. He was happy to make it to the big leagues. Yeah. But because winning became a factor again. Um, and he talks about that eight year gap where in minor leagues, winning was kind of secondary and, um, you know, to, to see the competitive nature of an adult, um, you know, that, that, that hit home too. So I hope, I hope that's what some young athletes see from Jesse's eyes. So definitely awesome stuff. Um, I don't want to say that we kind of set the bar high here with the very <laughs> first episode. Um, but, you know, we have a, a full slate of guests um, that Joey has already banged out most of these interviews, but we're going to release them to you, you know, through time. Um, be sure to check out the website, athletesoutofaction.com. Um, in addition to all the social media um, at Athletes out of action. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook as well. 
But with that, we're going to wrap up the first episode of Athletes Out of Action. We hope you join us when our next podcast drops. Big shout out to Jesse Biddle. Big shout out to Joey Gorman. Um, And we will see you next time.